All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What <laughs> Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic and now delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. We're going to have a promo code coming soon but we do have a promo code with Zephyr Epic Hockey Season capital H capital S all one word hockey season gets you $5 off your order at zephyrepic.com z e p h y r epic on all platforms go check them out. Check them out on Twitch, check them out on Twitter. Instagram, a lot of good stuff going on at Zephyr Epic right now. And yes, we are very pleased to announce joining the Nation Network Podcast Network is DoorDash. They're going to be sponsoring this podcast and many others on the Nation Network Podcast. And I think that's going to include 
the DFO rundown with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger. Not 100% sure. I'm assuming as much. Who just got number one on the podcast charts. So congratulations to those guys. Saravalli, he's coming on the show on Tuesday. Nobody's had a bigger week than Frank Saravalli. Also, my name's David Quadrelli, and I'm joined by Chris Faber. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, Zephyr Epic, before we move on too far, doing some exciting stuff with them next week. Uh, I'll be in the uh, in the store. Uh, doing some videos, checking out the place, letting people know uh, what they can see at the store for Zephyr Epic. So exciting thing next week. And yeah, hey, is there, there's no better food delivery service to get than DoorDash. DoorDash is the one that has Popeye's chicken on it. Yeah. They have it there with Popeye's. You don't get Popeye's on the other apps. Popeye's is on Skip the Dip. It's not on any of those ones. Yeah. Skip the other one. Like, the other like one. I say their names. Those will, that will not be named. The ones that won't be named. Are also. No, nothing on there but Popeye's and people in Richmond, people in White Rock. I think Popeyes are starting to pop up even There's more. There's one in Poco too, right? So they're yeah. blowing up even more. They're on DoorDash, man. You learned DoorDash about Poco last I've week. had a Dash Pass. That's what it's all about. The yeah. Dash Pass, man. The Dash it's Pass. In the end. I must say, like, if if you're thinking of signing up for a DoorDash account, just wait till you hear what our our once our promo code comes out because we had a bit of a hiccup with our promo code. Yep. Um, but what it gets you, I'm I'm actually gonna look at the email I got because I was looking at it and I was like, whoa, like that is a. That is a smoking deal. So when that comes out, it's gonna be it's gonna be really solid. But I think it's something like twenty five percent off your first order or first like few orders. I'm not exactly sure. I'm gonna have to look it up. But yeah, Absolutely. it's, it's hey, a we're nice stoked. Deal. We're stoked to be lured by DoorDash. But hey, let's not spend any more time on that. That's not the big news of the week. Uh, maybe for the Canucks it's combo big news bank for accounts. Us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice for that. But. The big news, Quads, we are fresh off of recording an emergency podcast. And now we've we've talked to Connor Garland. Uh, I got my question in. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, talked to Jim Benning, and we heard both of them on Sportsnet 650 as well. The huge trade, massive news. Everybody's heard of it by now because, hey, the Canucks didn't make a selection uh, in the 2021 NHL entry draft with that ninth overall pick. Instead, they traded it. They traded their first-round pick, 2022 second-round pick, 2023 seventh-round pick, Louis Erickson. Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, all those contracts that we've been talking about for a long time for Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland, who we spent a lot of time on the emergency episode talking about OEL. Yes. I think that is what you should go back to. If you haven't listened to the emergency episode yet, please go listen to that. Lots of time on OEL, immediate reaction to the trade, literally a couple, you know, probably 30 minutes after the trade was Ad free. Announced. It's like a, it's like a free Patreon episode. So you won't hear us uh, talk about DoorDash. And, yeah, you won't hear us talk about anything. Also, anything speaking of DoorDash. I okay. looked it up. Right. 25% off and no delivery fees for new users of the app. No so delivery fees. No delivery fees. That's like, what that's, I'm talking about. That's, right. a pretty, that's a pretty solid deal. But anyways, that promo code will be coming soon. But yes, Chris, we did talk a lot about that trade. We're not going to break down the trade as much as we did. All in, in the emergency. It's episode. all in the emergency. Check We're, that out. Basically, to sum it up for everybody listening to this, if you don't want to go back and listen, you should. But to sum it up, we both like the trade as a whole. We think there's definitely some risk involved given OEL's age, but we think the pros outweigh the cons. And all in all, this is a good trade for the Canucks. The Canucks are a better team. Every single player on the Canucks is a big fan of this trade. Yes, every single player needs to be a big fan of this trade. They're getting some proven NHLers coming into their lineup right now. Let's let's spend more time on Connor Garland. Okay? Yes. We just talked to him. You know, he's excited, spoke very highly of Elias Pettersson, spoke very highly of Bo Horvat in his conversation. He's going to be playing with one of those centers. It's yep. going to be interesting to see which one he matches up with. I think a lot of people are penciling him in with Horvat right off the top. That's where I have him kind of I don't going. think you want to split up the lotto line. I don't think so. I don't think you split up the lotto line because you haven't really had a lot of success with JT Miller and Bo Horvat together. 
Uh, it just seems to work better with Miller being able to guy to, to go in on the forecheck, get pucks for the lotto line. Garland looks like he's going to play with Bo Horvat, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited for what that does to the top six, but even more, more excited I am for the, what it does to the top nine because the top nine just got good. I brought this up in the emergency episode. Sorry, this will be uh, something that you've already heard if you've listened to that and then you're coming to listen to this, but Canucks top nine, best in the Pacific? I think so. Yeah. Like you said, we only did that two hours ago, and I was saying I wasn't 100% sold on it yet. I'm going to have to look around the league, but they're definitely in contention for it. I think so. And, you know, Seattle's having one not. of the best goaltenders in the in the Pacific Division as well. Yeah. The defense, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens, but, man, it's different. It's I think different. that's a big thing. It's a different defense than we've We're seen We're no longer talking about Ali Olevi on the third pairing. Well, maybe. We'll see what happens. No, we but. better not be. Not in this studio. You, <laughs> you go on someone me. else's podcast hey, and talk about that. You know me. I'm going to have my Olevi belief still. Oh I'm still gosh. hoping out for him. Why? Uh, forget it. We're not, not even going to get into this. Not We're not today. getting into this today. Hey, what it does, what Connor Garland just did for Vasily Podkolzin and Niels Huglander is an incredible incredible boost for those two players. Absolutely. A lot less pressure on Vasily Podkolz and a ton less pressure because now what we're talking about, a heck I wrote an article two weeks ago for Canucks army, about Podkolz and potentially having to play on the first line. Since then, the Canucks have added a third line center in Dickinson and they've added Connor Garland. Now a top six forward winger for them. Huge pressure taking off of the back of, of Vasily Podkolz and who now gets to come in and play on a third line that I'm excited about. I'm excited for a third line to see Vasily Podkolzin, potentially with Tanner Pearson or Nils Huglander, and then Dickinson on the center roll. That's an, that's a line I would like to see on the ice. How many times have I been watching this Canucks team over the past five to seven years and thinking, man, the third line, I'm excited for them to get on the ice. Never. I've never been excited for the third line to go Here on the ice. Here comes Adam Gunnett, Jake Vertanen, and whoever the waiver wire pickup was that week. Right, and like that's not what's going to be happening next year. This Canucks team is a lot better on their forward group right now I said it on the emergency podcast. Tyler Mott, an excellent fourth line player in the depth chart. Now he's a fourth line yeah, player. We were like, could could Tyler Mott play in the first line? Like, could he play in the top six? Is that's that the thing. Is like, at? if Miller goes to center, is where's Mott fitting into the top six? We don't have to talk about Mott in the top Thank six. Hopefully, goodness. ever again, because now Tyler Mott's playing his role. The depth chart. He's going to be playing above the salary that he's yes, making. Yes, exactly. He's be a good fourth line player. This in isn't a kill. knock. Like when I say thank goodness we don't have to talk about Tyler Mott in the top six, that's not a knock on Tyler Mott. We love us some Tyler Mott on this show. Everybody knows that. This is and the fact that you're moving on from Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson. Listen, we get it. The long term deal is going to be tough with OEL. That's going to hurt. It's so good to see that there was some salary retained, but you're still paying over seven million dollars yeah, for this guy. But. What they just did to their bottom six is completely restructure yes. it over the past twelve months. I like that they got rid of everybody except for Louis. You know, you know, I like Louis. Yes, but look at twelve months ago. Yeah, you look at the bottom six. I mean, I guess Mott was there, but you're flipping everything. Does Will Lockwood come into camp? Does he impress and make it on your fourth line? Is Zach McEwen playing on your fourth line wing? They still need to address who their fourth line center is going to be, but that's not a hard, that shouldn't be a hard thing to go out and get. That shouldn't be where you're focusing $3 million on. That's where you should be paying one to 1. 1.2. You know, you want to get a guy who can play in your fourth line who can skate well, you know, bring some to the fourth line because, man, the forward group is now something that, like I said, I'm excited about. I'm real excited about what this forward group's able to do. I'm excited to see Vasily Podkolz and not be forced into a role where, you know, a lot of pressure would be put on him. Now he's just going to go out there and play his game and look like an excellent third-line player. Nils Huglander might be on your third line. That's an excellent third-line player. Jason Dickinson as a defensive player on your center. 
That's an excellent third line center for defensive. This third line is now one of the ones that I'm very confident in the Vancouver Canucks. The top six, I'm already super confident in. Like, I love the lotto line. I love watching the lotto line play. I like watching Horvat's evolution. What does Horvat do now with a proven 20 goal scorer? What does Horvat do now that he's not getting all those tough matchups? Huge. Huge as well. Exactly. Like, and you're I, confident I, in Pod Coles and N. Huglander to play with Dickinson and take matchups. Exactly. Not I, be the first line to match up. Totally. I think to you're be, still going the lotto help. line. You're going the lotto line. Because mm. remember, I'm going to remind people, right? We talked about it with Travis at last year's training camp, right? And this is what he told us. He said, you know, I learned in the bubble last year toward the end of last season that also, by the way, a year ago today, we were just gearing up for the play-in series against Minnesota. What wow. a time that was. Yeah. Think about that. Anyway, um, Travis was saying to us, he's like, I know that I can use that lotto line in a matchup role now. And he did it in the playoffs. And what did we see, Chris, in that St. Louis series? Ryan O'Reilly's on a tear. How are they going to shut him down? They match up Pedersen against him. Fire with Horvat starts scoring goals. Horvat had a huge series against St. Louis. And I think now, you know, like Stefan Roguet wrote about this. And I think I brought this up a couple weeks ago on the show. But he wrote about... Horvat scoring at an elite level since the bubble and the matchups that he's been getting doing while doing that is downright impressive. Like it is very impressive what Bo Horvat's been able to done with the matchups he's been given. So now for a guy who's taken a step every single year in Bo Horvat, now you put him with some better wingers, you put him on a better forward group as a whole, give him some better matchups. I think we're going to see a big year from Bo Horvat. I think so too. I think this is the year where, you know, I just asked, I just asked Connor Garland on the call, is this the year for you to explode offensively? And he said, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. That's exciting for him because, you know, he's getting out of Arizona as a guy who is now coming into a, a major hockey market and has just been kind of blooming into his, what he's going to be as an NHL player. And we're about to see that now in Vancouver with what Garland is able to do playing on a, in a big hockey market on a top six line, getting power play time, playing with some elite players that are in your top, top lines, whether it's on the Patterson line or on the, on the Horvat line, he's going to fit in nice. And man, I, I can't get over what this does to the top nine because I doubted that Jim Benning was going to go out and get a, a certified top six forward. He did it. He he got his certified top six forward. He got OEL coming back as well, who I think that, man, if there's a place for OEL to to really make a comeback, I don't think there's a better city than Vancouver. Obviously, you know, the reaction online was, was pretty tough. Hopefully he's not online reading all of it. I don't think it matters for a guy like him. But when he's on the ice and contributing to the Canucks, there's going to be a lot of support for OEL. There's going to be a lot of support for him when, you know, he's on the ice taking up minutes and playing hockey for this team. With Brad Shaw is something that you talked about a little bit, I think, in the emergency episode. What does Brad Shaw help with that defense core? Now it looks like with the defense core changing so much and bringing in a guy like Brad Shaw, this looks like a great spot. Like the way that everything is kind of turning in the right direction here, it feels like a, a confident episode. I haven't been this happy about covering the Vancouver Canucks in a long time. And I, I'm trying not to think of the long-term ramifications. And it's not only the Oliver Ekman Larson contract, but like I said on the emergency episode, I'd almost be uh, you know as much of, if not more, worried about losing a first and a second because those are prospects in the pipeline that you're really going to miss. And the other part of it for me, though, is look at these players that are coming in for the Canucks. Jack Rathbone, young. Elias Pettersson, obviously young. Quinn Hughes. You got Niels Huglander, Vasily Pod Coles. And it's like, yeah, they don't have a lot of prospects in the pipeline anymore, 
but they're going to have a lot of players under the age of 22 making a big difference on this roster for the next few years. So, yes, they don't have a lot of players, but now with Garland and OEL coming in, OEL is a little bit of an exception, but you're paying players that are going to do something for your team now money. Instead of paying Jay Beagle, instead of paying Antoine Roussel, Louis Erickson, these guys that don't do a lot for the team, you're not paying them anymore. Now you're paying guys that actually contribute to your team getting wins on a nightly basis. And in the end, I like this trade. I like this trade. I like that Jim's putting it into gear to make something happen. I know this is sort of like Jim Benning has to kind of fight for his job over this because he's trying, obviously, to not get fired. And getting in the playoffs has to be a goal from Francesco Aquilini down to Jim Benning. And today, Jim Benning made a big trade that looks like they are a playoff team now. Yeah, absolutely. And Jim was asked flat out, Jim, do you think you're a playoff team? And he said, I think so. And, you know, maybe you would love to see him say, yes, we are. But he, he's right. I, I, I don't know how you look at this team and don't think that they can compete in a very weak Pacific division. And it yeah. doesn't even look like Seattle's going to put up much of a fight, man. Like, it worried me for a bit with Seattle, but man, after the expansion draft, they I, I ain't worried that. about Seattle. But, you know, look at the Canucks' like, top nine compared to theirs now. Yeah, like, you know what? It, it helps that there's no Dale Talon to just gift them a first line. And yeah, the GMs obviously learned their lesson to an extent, which is a sentence I didn't think I'd see myself saying. But it's it's not looking good for Seattle. Like, Cole Lind, people were like, oh, if the Canucks want Cole Lind... They can just claim him off waivers when Seattle sends him down. And it was like, Colin might be playing on that team. Like, now that I look at it, Maybe. He, they're, they're no Vegas. And, you know, there's a lot of time left. And I, I mentioned this briefly on the bonus episode. They could be gearing up to go hard after Eichel. They have a lot of cap space, and that's the most valuable thing right now. So, you know, if, if anybody's going to go hard at Eichel, it's Seattle. I just don't know if they have the tradable assets to do it. But if they want to compete right off the hop, going out and getting Jack Eichel, that first-line center that Vegas never really had. Right. That game-breaking center, right? They never had that in Vegas. Getting that for Seattle, that could be a smart move. Yeah, that would be like the one thing they can hold over Vegas of like, look at what we did coming in. Yeah. We got a first-line center, and Vegas will be like, oh, yeah, we'll look at everything else that we did better than you. We did everything else better. Yeah. I, I like I like Seattle's defense. I do. Uh, yeah, but I, I think Vegas I, I, did a better job still too. Yeah, that's fair. Well, yeah, evolving. I guess. Well, I guess like the way it evolved in the first yes, couple of years. There's I guess still you time have to give Seattle time. Yeah, there's still time. Um, the way, just seeing the way that they've been able to build that defense is yeah. crazy. What they've put. I like. There. I like that they took Vince Dunn instead of Tarasenko. I must say. Also, a yeah. lot of trades going on around the National Hockey League. We're recording this. You're going to be listening to this on Saturday morning at the earliest because it's our regularly scheduled Saturday episode. The draft is happening like right now. And I'm kind of curious to see how the order all shakes out because, you know, for the past month or so, we spent so much time talking about the draft, you know, all this draft coverage, who are the Canucks taking at nine? And then it turns into nothing. Like we, 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 we did all that work for nothing basically because (laughs) now they're not even drafting anybody at nine, but day two of the draft will be on Saturday. We're hoping to have somebody on for Sunday. So you're going to get another bonus conversation, not an emergency, but a bonus conversation. Hopefully, we're going to have one of the Canucks drafted players on yeah. the podcast. We're going to have three episodes in three days. We got the emergency on Friday, yeah. the regular show that we're recording right now. And by the way, we got a guest on this show as well. Yes, we do. Yeah, we are joined by the, I guess you could call him the first signed player for the Abbotsford Canucks. Yes. You know, I guess so. His name is Chase Waters, three year captain of the Saskatoon Blades of the WHL. He's a center, 21 years old, and uh, man, a great guy to set the culture here. 
in Abbotsford. I loved this conversation. Short and sweet. We kept it at 15 minutes. He's out on the cabin. He's out in this cabin uh, enjoying some time there. Big fisherman. Very excited to catch some sturgeon uh, in the Fraser River. He was stoked to see that the Fraser River uh, is something very close to him. So he wants to get a sturgeon uh, on that, put it on the gram, I think he said. Uh, So we have a good conversation with him. I just... I loved talking to this kid. I loved hearing everything about him positive out of Saskatoon. And this is a great guy to set the culture and start with these young players in Abbotsford. Did I hear this right? His jersey's retired by the Blades? His, so he had his jersey retired about 30 minutes after his last game. Why? So they're on a Zoom call, right? The okay. last thing everyone's talking about, This is he's a three-year captain. He played parts of six seasons for Saskatoon. Um and on the Zoom call, the general manager comes in with the final question. Uh, wasn't a question. He just wanted to tell him, hey, by the way, Chase, no one is going to be wearing number 44 after you. And you could see, you know, he gets emotional, talks about what it means to him. It's it's an incredible story. I believe, uh, I think I might have quote tweeted it. If not, you can find it. Just search up uh, Chase Waters um, and just with, on the Saskatoon. Spell Waters. Account. Tell yeah, me about By the way, Waters, W-O-U-T-E-R-S. But it's pronounced Waters. I checked it. I thought it, it was Wooters when I read it. I know. I had, I had a good, I thought it would be fun with Wooters, but yeah, Waters. A little restaurant chain. A little yeah. restaurant chain. Yeah. There. So anyways, uh, just like a great emotional moment with him hearing that his jersey number is retired. And then he kind of explained in the interview you guys will hear it we'll get to it on the break but uh why he wears number 44 i'll save that for the interview part because he was a good a really good guy to chat with man i just like i said i can't get over how good of a culture setter this guy is going to be so hey why don't why don't we just get to it why don't we just get right to the interview here uh we're going to send it now to chase waters and then we'll get come back on the other side kind of look towards day two of the canucks draft and just kind of set the stage i guess talking more about this huge trade between the arizona coyotes and the vancouver canucks so without further ado let's throw to a quick ad break We'll throw to our ad break here, and on the other side of the ad break, we'll get you straight to the conversation with the newest Abbotsford Canuck. I messed that up. The newest Abbotsford Canuck, (laughs) Chase Waters. All right, folks, that's right. We got a new ad finally here for Parallel 4-9 Beer. You want to get down to the street kitchen, folks. It's more than just a street kitchen now. Now it is a full-on beer gardens. Absolutely beautiful. You've seen Quads and I tweeting about it. The food's amazing. A ton of beers on tap. Quads as well. You've had uh, not only beers, but what other drinks did you like there? had the Muddler's Pink Lemonade. That was very good. You need to go get the food, though. The food at the Parallel 49 Street Kitchen, ridiculous. What did we eat that one day? Poutine? cheeseburger, well, I ate it all, waffle fries, and then we got those Korean barbecue wings. Yeah, the spicy chicken burger, that's my go-to. But Delicious. what you do, a little trick for everyone, you swap out the jalapenos for their pickled cucumbers. Very, very good. Highly recommend that. That's down at 1950 Triumph Street off an east van. That's Parallel 49 at 1950 Triumph Street. Check them out in east van and go down and try some beers and be sure to get some food down on that beautiful patio. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. 
Squish Beverage, my new favorite drink of the summer. Absolutely crushable. The right drink to bring down to the beach, the right drink to bring down to the river, camping, whatever you're doing this summer. Squish is the beverage for you. They have original hard seltzers and a bunch of different flavors, but the lemonade ones, those are my favorite quads. Me too. I can drink more than one of those. They're crushable. Which is good. So when you go down to the beach, you're bringing how many? More than one. More than one. Unlike last time. Absolutely. This is the hard seltzer for you. This is the hard seltzer for summer. Go out and try Squish. You can find their original flavors of hard seltzer at BC Liquor Stores. But if you want to do a little bit of digging, that's where you're going to find the lemonades. My favorite. And you can find those at private liquor stores all across British Columbia. All right, guys. Joining us now. Very excited to get back to the Ride in the Bus segment a little bit here with our newest signee of the Abbotsford Canucks, Chase Waters. Chase, how are you doing today? You are enjoying a little bit of cabin life right now in the summertime. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, doing pretty good here, yeah, just in Saskatchewan up at our, our family's cabin here at Jackfish Lake. So, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, just enjoying the weekend here. And, yeah, I know I'm really, really excited to get things going in, in Abbotsford. Absolutely. I know that uh, we kind of were just talking off air. You're excited to do some of the fishing over here in the Fraser River, maybe get your first sturgeon. But uh, I got to ask, what's uh, what's your PB? What's your personal best up there on the cabin from the lake that you're at right now? Oh, uh, there's... From the lake, I, I where our cabin is, I nothing nothing too big here. We'll make a couple of trips up north, and yeah, we'll do we'll do pretty good. Uh, yeah, I fish the river quite a bit here in the North Sask, so yeah, I've caught a caught a couple couple good fish over over the years, but nothing too crazy yet. All right, just a couple for the Instagram, right? Nothing nothing crazy for the for the fishing magazines or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. And obviously, growing up in Saskatchewan, you, you got to play for the Saskatoon Blades. You spent a long time there. Uh, maybe can you just kind of walk us through how that kind of started and how excited you were when Saskatoon selected you in the Bantam draft? For sure. So, yeah, I would, uh, at the WHL draft, you get drafted grade nine. So I was 14, and, you know, I got, got picked by the Blades. And, you know, I, I was pretty pretty new. I know there's a couple of older guys that, that went to the WHL route and really, really liked it. So, you know, I, I took my chance and I ran with it. And, you know, it was uh, has been amazing for me. For me, I had, a, you know, an amazing billet family, Tim and Tina Gabbert, that took me in when I was, you know, I was 16 years old. I moved away and they, they made me feel like, uh, you know, a part of their family. And it was I was pretty grateful. I was only two and a half hours away from, from my uh, from my mom and dad Scott and Janice, and then my sister Allie. She actually moved to Saskatoon the same year I did to to go to university. So you know, it's it's uh, just looking back in my five years in Saskatoon, it was incredible and it was an incredible experience. I just you know I can't thank that that organization for for everything they did for me over my five years. Absolutely, I mean a ton of games for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, you know, you mentioned it kind of through times of almost six seasons. It felt like there with the the two games that you spent there as a I guess a 15, 16 year old. Uh, that organization. I mean, we've we've obviously heard a lot about the Saskatoon Blades, and, and over the past couple of years, with a guy like Kirby Doc being drafted so high, uh, it, it's a great organization. And you got to be the captain of that team for three years in a row. The only captain to do three years in Saskatoon Blades history. What did that mean for you, being a guy from Saskatchewan? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it was a pretty awesome, awesome uh, to be realized as that, but. You know, a lot of it goes to out to out to my teammates. My first, I mean, in all my years, but you know, just being a being a young player in the league, they really made me feel comfortable as a as a sixteen, seventeen year old year. And then, uh, yeah, my eighteen year old year, given the captaincy, and we had some amazing, amazing older guys that year. And I know, I know it's pretty pretty 
cliche, but I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a lot of people in the room that helped out and do do a lot of things to keep keep everyone going and keep everyone in check. And I think it was uh, you know, it was really really a big honor to be recognized the first first three year cap. And I just you know, I thank everyone there for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an incredible, you know, experience, I'm sure, for you to be able to be, you know, a captain in a WHL team for three years. That doesn't happen very often. Um, for you and your family kind of going through that, what did it mean to your family to be able to, to know that you were the leader of that team, you know, for three years straight? You mentioned a lot of leaders in the room. I'm sure there was a ton of them. But, you know, to have the C, that's kind of a different feeling. What did your, what were your family's kind of take about it being, you know, you, you mentioned it to me off air that your dad was supporting the Blades for a long time when you were growing up. So that must have been quite the emotional experience for your family for the three years. Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, you know, they're a really supportive family. My, yeah, my mom and dad and sister, they came to, I mean, uh, over my, my five years in Saskatoon, I bet you they made it to 90, 90, 95% of the home games and, you know, the odd, the odd road game here and there. And, you know, so they, they really loved, loved coming to watch and loved coming to see me at Alley in, in the city. So, you know, just the support they've, they've gave me throughout this time has been incredible. And yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're, they were huge Blade fans and they, they forever will be. And being a captain for three years on a WHL team, like that's an incredible accomplishment. And I'm wondering, like, does it change the way that you look at the game of hockey a little bit when you see it from that lens because that that view of a team is something that not a lot of 17 18 19 year old guys see like what do you learn about being a leader from being a captain for three years yeah you learn a lot i mean it's uh when i was especially when i was a young captain i you know i put a lot of pressure on it and you know as i got older i kind of realized that you know if you just show up and and do do what's made you get to where you are. That's the best the best captain you can uh, you can ask for is to just be yourself. So I know I I learned that a lot. I learned that through through a great coaching staff. Mitch Love, uh, Ryan Marsh, and Ryan Keller there for a couple of years, and then you know Dean Brockman and uh, and uh, Bryce Tolman my first couple of years. So I've I, I've learned from a lot of a great a great coaching staff, a lot of great players over the years to, to you know to be able to adapt and, and develop my leadership skills and, and my on ice abilities absolutely well that's incredible and i i want to i've heard about that over the past kind of three seasons one of the things that stuck about your game that's been you know at a very high level is your work in the face-off circle uh does that just come like do you just become a better face-off taker when you get the c on your chest because that's kind of what it seems like in the nhl yeah so you know kind of always i kind of always took pride in it. i know it's the first Right, uh, coach told me in my younger years it's the first battle, first chance to win a battle of every shift if, it, if it's off a whistle. So I think that's you know that's kind of stuck with me. And you know I'm a you know I'm I'm a competitive player and a competitive person. So I mean you never want to lose, and that's yeah, like I said, that's the first battle. So it's kind of just stuck with me ever since a young age. I love that. I've never heard that before. That's quite the little uh, term for a center. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, you're one of the first signed guys to Abbotsford. Uh, what do you think that kind of means for the Abbotsford group who, you know, we're bringing a new AHL team into the West here. We've had our team across the continent in Utica for the past couple of years. But now to, you know, have a local guy from the WHL sign in Abbotsford, what does that mean for you to be a part of this organization now on the West Coast? Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I've heard, heard nothing but good things about everything that was going on in Utica, but now they're, I mean, they're really excited to get, to get going in Abbotsford, and I'm really excited to, you know, ex- experience living in BC and experience a new city and a new, you know, new teammates, new coaching staff. And I'm, you know, I'm just really looking forward to the opportunity in Abbotsford, and I couldn't be more more thankful for for getting this chance. 
And how do you feel about making the uh, the switch there from the blue and yellow now to the bright green? How's green going to look on you, Chase? Yeah, you know, I was actually looking at that. I had, I had a couple of buddies texting me saying you're going blue and yellow, now you're going blue and green. So it's, you know, I know... <laughs> I know the blue, the blue is pretty good. So, well, I mean, the green, the green will look amazing too, I'm sure. And, you know, I know, I know my family will have to get, get a couple of jerseys once, once things get going here. So I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. I'm going to say, like, I, I feel like the green just pops. And I know that you guys will be on hockey TV a lot this year. A lot of people are going to have their AHL TV subscription. Uh, the green, it's good. It's going to pop. I think it's going to look even better once you see it in person or on the screen than you do on the, uh, the Twitter pictures that are going around right now. <laughs> For sure, it'll it'll look great once everything gets going. Absolutely, and hey, we had uh, Ryan Johnson. We had a conversation with him a little while ago. What was the conversation like between you two as you signed with Abbotsford? Yeah, no, he uh, yeah just gave me a call and just just you know congratulated me and you know I'm really excited to to get to know Ryan and get to know the coaching staff at Abbotsford and you know just to to get there and meet everyone, put some put some names to faces. It'll be it'll be really. It'll be really exciting, and I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. And I know that, you know, in your time in the WHL, you've played against a couple of guys that'll be on this Abnox. What do you remember about Jet Wu, who you played against on the Hitman? Yeah, he's always been, uh, always been a solid defenseman. I know I played, played with him a little bit just in spring hockey and growing up a little bit. So I, I know him a little bit, and then uh, yeah, I know Carson Folk a little bit too. So I played, yeah, played against those guys several times, and we've. You know, we've had some good battles, but it's uh, you know it's all in good competition. So I'm looking forward to to getting to play alongside those guys for sure. They're really good players. Yeah, and I'm sure like after this past season that you just had, only getting the 21 games in, like how excited is it just for you to see that next step? And now that you're getting an opportunity to actually go to the next level, like I'm sure this falls just like Christmas for you coming up here. Exactly, you kind of nailed it right there. It's you know it's every kid's dream to get to the next level and. I'm just uh, just really honored to be able to be in Abbotsford and be able to get to get to the next level and play a full season. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. So I, you know, it's it's a really exciting time for me and for my family. And now that you know, we hear that the AHL team is moving so close to Vancouver. Does that partially come into the equation on why you wanted to sign with Abbotsford? Just knowing that you know the the big clubs' facilities are just you know an hour and a half drive away. Yeah, it's good. I think there will be a lot of. You know a lot of connection between the two teams just being so close so yeah i know hopefully uh you know, hopefully someday i'll be able to to be in the big club's room but right now i'm just focusing on on getting better and getting getting good in the in the american hockey league and just hoping to hoping to prove myself and it'll be you know it'll be a good time and i'm really excited for it most definitely and we've heard from you know i've heard from a lot of guys on this show in the past guys that have made the jump to the ahl that you know, they've had to change certain parts of their game to stick in pro hockey. It's a lot different than junior hockey. Obviously, you're going up against men now. It's, you know, it's going to be a tough jump from junior to pro hockey. Is there something about your game that you're pretty confident in, though, going into the AHL that you feel like, you know, this part of my game feels like it's ready for the next level? Is there a certain part that you're confident in? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think my competitive level is, you know, what, what kind of makes me the player I am. And if I, I know I'm not, I'm not playing my game. It's I, it's because I got to get more competitive, more stronger on the puck, and things like that. So I think that's something I'll be taking into the next level for sure. Awesome, man. Have you heard any anything about the city of Abbotsford yet? Has anyone told you about Castle Fun Park or anything? <laughs> no, I actually haven't heard much. I have, you know, an old teammate of mine, Aiden Delagorjandier. He's from from that area. He's from Surrey, so he's told me a little bit, but I haven't 
haven't heard too much about the, the city of Abbotsford yet. All right. Well, they got a lot of batting cages and Castle Fun Park. You'll hear about very soon once you get there. Perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And I know that you know making this jump now from junior hockey to pro hockey, it's got to be something that's so exciting for you. Uh, especially after last year, like, were there any kind of doubts in your mind that you were going to be able to make this jump, especially after what you what you kind of went through with, you know, COVID and the crazy WHL season that you had? Were there any doubts in your mind that, you know, this might not be something that happens for you? You know, I kind of, just thinking about things throughout the year, you know, it was, it was always a goal of mine. I never, you know, it never crossed my mind that I, I wasn't going to reach that goal. So I, you know, I kind of just stayed on track and, you know, the right right things got put together. I had a had a good season in Saskatoon, so you know I think it kind of just everything fell fell in together, and I'm just you know I'm just very honored to to have this chance. Absolutely, and to kind of wrap up here, Chase, one of the things that I, I definitely wanted to ask about was you know I watched that video that Saskatoon put out as you finished your career there, and and the 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 ending part was the part that got me. I think that got a lot of people seeing uh, your general manager hop on that Zoom call to tell you that number forty four nobody would be wearing that in the future. Um, I mean, I could see the emotion on your face in that interview, but maybe you can just tell us what did that mean for you to hear that number forty-four would be up in the rafters for Saskatoon? For sure, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you watch the video; it's a pretty emotional moment. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of emotions playing my last game there, and then you know, doing doing kind of the last interview in the Blades jersey, and then Colin hops on and tells me that news. It was kind of it was a whirlwind. It was it was an amazing feeling, and I know I'm super. I'm super proud that 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 someday will be will be in the rafters in Saskatoon, and you know it's just it's an it's an incredible you know it's a really really great accomplishment. I've you know I think a lot of people have helped me along the way, and you know Colin Colin and Mike, his dad, have done a done a lot for me there in Saskatoon. I just you know I can't thank them enough for everything over the years. Yeah, absolutely. It was an incredible video to watch, and you must be so proud. Spending, especially all the time that you mentioned, like you, I think you kind of said in the video, you you were a part of that organization for what felt like kind of seven years, you know, from draft to final day. Like that's got to be an incredible moment. With all, I mean, just thinking about the final game, I can't imagine what your brain was going through. Yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of emotions, that's for sure. But yeah. you know, we're on the, you know, it's good to good to move on to the next level, and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And hey, Chase, where does uh, where does the love for the number forty four kind of come from for you? Yeah. So uh, my dad actually played played hockey growing up, and it was always his favorite number. And then when he played, he played some senior hockey, and he uh, he always wore forty four. So it kind of kind of just came came along with me. So that's awesome. I like it. I think forty four pops. It's one of those numbers that you know isn't like kind of crazy, and you're kind of showing off, but it's just one that pops a little bit. For sure. I thought, you know, I really like it. I really liked wearing it over the past couple of years. Absolutely. Well, I think it's open for you in Abbotsford, so you might not have to snag it on. I think you're the only guy on the roster technically right now, so I feel like you get first dibs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens when I get there. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, going into this now, the first year for Abbotsford, um, what does it mean to you to kind of be – like we've heard from a lot of these guys that just got expansion drafted to Seattle and how it means to them to kind of start the organization there. What does that kind of mean for you here in Abbotsford? Because – you know, this is a hockey crazy market here in Vancouver. You're going to have a ton of fans at every single game in Abbotsford, and, and you're here on the building blocks of day one. Is that something that you've kind of thought about yet? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's pretty cool to be to be a part of a first a first year organization and to be you know to be one of the first players officially, I guess, officially signed by the team is is pretty cool too. So it's you know it's uh 
it's a big building block. I know they have a lot of great players that were Utica that will be coming over too, and I'm just you know I'm looking forward to to meeting all of them too. So it's you know it's a pretty pretty cool feeling. And uh, Jet Wu, I know he was pretty mean player in the WHL. He's kind of brought that with him to the AHL. Are you excited that he's on your side now? Yeah, really excited. Like I like kind of said earlier, we had a couple battles throughout the throughout our days in the Western Hockey League, but it, you know it'll be great to be on the same side as him this year. Absolutely, he's tough as nails from what we saw last year in the AHL. Not afraid of anyone for day one. It was nice to see. Exactly. Awesome, Chase. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there. Really appreciate you jumping on the show here, and uh, we'll be seeing you at training camp in the fall and, and in an Abbotsford jersey as the season goes on, man. Uh, thanks for doing this. No, thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, and a massive thank you to Chase Waters, not Wooters, for joining us on the episode. Chris, we just watched the first five picks of the NHL draft. Your reaction to Luke Hughes going at four to the Devils? Yeah, uh, you know, I thought he would slide if he got past the Devils, but that reaction from, uh, yeah, you know, Quinn Quinn was happy. Uh, that's, that's about Jack, as emotional we've ever seen Quinn. Jack looked like he was about to blow up. Yeah, like, Jack was I jumping up and down. Someone said, Jack, you want to go for a walk? Like a dog? <laughs> he literally looked like a dog that just heard uh, that they're going for a walk. Very, uh, very good. <laughs> nice and exciting for the family. The video is all over social media now. Uh, McTavish uh, going third overall. Um, you know, a little bit of a shocker. I think, you know, a lot of people saw when Cam Robinson was so high on McTavish that people were going a little crazy about it. So, um, you know, good to see McTavish is a hell of a player. It's going to be weird. It's weird. Cause like I was ready to talk so much about who the Canucks got at ninth and now we're not from now we're talking about yeah. Connor Garland and we're talking about Oliver Ekman Larson. I think we spent a lot of time on the trade. It's something we'll obviously discuss in future episodes. If you didn't, like we said, go check out the, the emergency episode, lots more conversation on there, but there's one thing I want to move on from, from it. And it's the defense core. And it's kind of, you know, kind of centered around Nate Schmidt. Because now you look at Nate Schmidt making $5.95 million. How aggressive do you think the Canucks are going to be for moving him now? Because it sounds like Jim Benning's not done. You know, I don't think the Canucks are done either. I think there's more to come. Do you think that comes from a Nate Schmidt deal? Is that the next big news that we have? Or do you think that they want to roll into it now with Nate Schmidt potentially playing alongside you know, potentially he's with Oliver Ekman Larson next year. Potentially he's was, with Quinn Hughes next year. That's a very different role than playing with Alex Edler last year for Schmidt. I was just about to say that to you. And like, do you go get somebody that fits your system and fits your defense pairings better than Nate Schmidt if you're the Canucks? I think you do. I think you definitely explore that. And I think that's what Jim said today was that he's going to explore everything. The offseason's not over. He wants to improve the team as much as possible. Do they look at moving out a guy like Schmidt? And, you know, dare I say it, going after a Dougie Hamilton. Doesn't look like Seattle's going to be going after him anymore. Do the Canucks put a bid on Dougie Hamilton? Oh, man. Oh, that's a lot to ask. So Dougie Hamilton and Quinn Hughes is your first pair. Where do you go from there? And OEL and Tyler Myers is your second pair? I mean, that's... And then Rathbone and Hamannick. That's a lot. I, I'm wondering if you could fit all that under the. Cap, you can't. Honestly. You can't. Yeah. That I, I brought it up just for just for fun. Okay. But you can't right now. But if you move Schmidt, right. and you move some other pieces, maybe call Arizona up again, <laughs> see what they see what they can do for you. Hey, by the um, way, just coming in right now, a lot of people wanted the Canucks to get Ken Johnson. Ken Johnson goes number five overall to Columbus. Wow. So we got William Eklund sliding. William Eklund is sliding. Well, good for Kent Johnson, friend of the show. Yeah, and I think a lot of people thought that was a slam dunk pick for the Canucks at nine, right? Yeah, I think so. 
there, there was going to be a player there at nine. We're obviously still waiting on it. We'll finish out the episode knowing it. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Those yeah. are long picks, man. But hey, like with Schmidt here, I, I, I'm not really sure which way I feel about Like, I don't know if it's better to trade Schmidt or have Schmidt be with Hughes because we didn't really get a chance to see Quinn Hughes play with Nate Schmidt. And that's a pairing that I had a lot of it. belief in that can move the puck so well. Yeah. And if they're getting defensive support from their line, their forward group that's with them, whether it's the Lotto line, maybe now the Dickinson line as well, potentially the Horvat line or even the fourth line, as long as they're helping support Hughes and Schmidt, like Schmidt wasn't horrible in his own zone. The problem was his his errors that he made were almost like all immediately in the back of the net. Schmidt's yeah. when he made errors, when Schmidt made errors last year, they were they were huge errors. Yeah. And I think that's not really what the ideal partner is for Quinn Hughes. You don't want a guy who's high event like that, right? You don't want a guy who's whose high events are that big of a. You a want problem. him. To, you want a stay at home guy next to Quinn Hughes, and yeah. that's that's why I don't think Dougie Hamilton's the right option either. Yeah, like, I, I think that that's the thing about Quinn Hughes is like you're going to need to find the guy who makes so much sense to play with him. You're going to need remember how Cody Cece was for Eric Carlson when Carlson was doing his thing. Yeah, like that's the type of guy that you need. You need a guy who's not going to come in a lot of money. Oliver, I mean. Uh, Adam Larson was a nice little option before he signed with Seattle. Like that was the type of player that you would want to invest some time into. So I, you know, I'm going to be curious where they go with, with his partner. I got to get this in now because my phone's about to die and I have my list on my phone, but I was going to write an article, a series of five goalies. The Canucks could draft on day two. We may not be able to talk about the players at ninth overall, probably not going to have time to finish the article and get it out before the morning. So it's going to be a Canucks convo exclusive. I will share my list. Do it. Uh, these are the guys that I've been really looking at for the Canucks and I've kind of narrowed it down to three. Originally I had Kolosov on the list. He is no longer going to be mentioned. So he was a part of my five, but I'm not even going to mention, well, I guess I just mentioned him, but he's not part of the list because Canucks don't have a pick, uh, in the third or fourth round. And, I don't think they're taking a goalie with the second round pick, nor do I think they should. So keeping in mind that we're looking at round five, six, and seven, I've talked about them a lot. Aku Koskenevo, Kos, Koskenevo, Koskenevo, uh, whatever it is. You said it before so well on the yeah, show. That I know. was a bad one. I know. Try again. Try again from the top. Aku Koskenevo. I think this is his Yeah, that's the way I he's feel like you're saying Koskenevo. Yeah, so he's Finnish. Okay. Um, Good goaltender. Talked about him quite a bit. A guy who is rising on a lot of teams' radars. Maybe they can actually take a flyer on him. Platon Zador, Z- Zadorozini. Z-A-D-O-R-O-Z-H-N-Y-Y. Well, spelling it's not going to help. No one listened to that. Well, now they can this Google turned, his name. This turned into a dolly wall segment with you trying okay, to pronounce Okay, well, come on. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Those come are on. tough ones. Hey, you're the PZ. one who tried bringing them up here. I'll bring the, I'll bring the dolly wall technique. I'm shocked that you wanted to do this on the well, podcast. Well, here. It would have been a lot easier for you to write yes, these out. it would have. Yes, but... You know, I, I get it. Yeah, that's why can, I spelled it out. Okay. So people can go look at his Elite Prospects page because if I say Platon Zador, Z, Zadorozny, Z, Zadorozny, Zadorozny, that's how it is for sure. Wow, this, Anyways, this has been a bad yeah, segment. I so told far. you nothing about the goaltender himself, no. but he's rising on a lot of people's charts. I'm not reporting anything if he's rising on the Canucks charts. Um, but yeah, he is he is a solid goaltender, really good stuff to work with in terms of upside. Again, the reason I like Koskenvo so much for the Canucks is because he reminds me a lot of Arthur Silov. Six foot four, athletic freak, gets the comparisons to Andre Vasilevsky, much like Silov's does because he seals off the bottom of the net so well with those long legs of his. Again, 
We know Silov's main thing to work on is still shortening up that stance. And again, same thing with Koskanvo. Now, I've put in a request, and I'm hoping it, I'm hoping, hoping it works out. But uh, I'll be talking to somebody from the Canucks. Not going to say who. I will be talking to somebody from the Canucks, hopefully, um, about the goalie that they select. Because I, I am anticipating they select a goalie tomorrow. I wonder... If it changes at all, because now they have fewer picks. I, I wonder, because right. you had a third last week, you had a first last week as well, and a first this morning, and they don't have that anymore. So Yesterday I wonder if you try and, out. yeah, I'm Show wondering if you try Saturday. and load up on forwards and defense, just hope something sticks. I think you need to. I think you need to go out and get as many players to the pipeline as possible. And, that would be and bad for my brand if they don't select a goalie. It would be, but it would be good for you. It would be good for people who want to hear names pronounced correctly because yeah, you enough. butchered that so far. Yeah, that this, was tough. In the last 10 minutes here. What was the second goalie's name again? Platon Zadorozny. And uh, Patrick Hamela is the third guy. <laughs> All right. Well, that was. Why didn't you start with that name? Yeah, that was I know, the right? Because he's the one. He's the one him. I think is least likely for the Canucks to draft. Okay. Well, I, I would be surprised if they took Hammerla. I just like him as a goalie. Yeah, I mean, we heard Ian Clark Koskenvo. talk about keep that, your name on Koskenvo. That just we, saying. Yeah, we heard Ian Clark say that you know every, what was it two out of three years? Yeah, you two draft out of three years. Yep. But also, that's probably talking about if you have seven picks. The Canucks yep. don't have seven picks in this draft, and the first pick that they're getting in the second round, you can't spend that on a goalie. You got to no, get no something chance. exciting for the, for the pipeline. We'll review the whole second round of the show. We're going to do a bonus episode Sunday, yep. uh, Sunday night sort of thing. I got work at six fifty on Sunday, yep. so I'll if, be later into the day. If they do select goalie in the second round, don't anticipate they will. It's Kolosov. Kolosov has risen a lot. Again, Sebastian Casa, a guy that a lot of people thought was going to go in the, uh, second, third round, he's now projected to go in the top 15. So <laughs> no. we'll see. Okay. I don't know if this is pettiness from the Canucks, but they just tweeted this. So they tweet out uh, a thread about the three players that just left. They say, Merci, Antoine. Thank you, Antoine. Yeah. They say, thank you, Jay. And then for, for Louis, they just write, all the best, Louis. <laughs> they didn't even thank him. <laughs> they didn't even thank Louis. <laughs> they just wrote all oh, the best. <laughs> oh, how about keep it to a thank you, uh, you know. <laughs> you know oh, that's funny. That's I, awesome. I know you can't hear it because you don't wear headphones when you no. record, but I just hit the thank you, Jim button. Okay. I can't believe they just dropped that. That's awesome. All right. That's um, great. You know, I think we're, 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 we might just close out with that. We, we're not going to get into the too much of the draft. Um, I think with the Sunday episode, we're going to wrap up on maybe what the Canucks missed with that ninth overall pick. I think people will probably know by now uh, who slid down there to nine and was made available. Uh, from there, you know, okay. So right now, like, yeah, I'm not going to get into it because it's happening live in front yeah. of us, but there is a very good player going to be available at nine. Yeah. There's yeah. already some picks off the board that are going in. So yeah, we're happy with Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson. Yeah. We'll uh, talk on Sunday. Who was there at nine made it uncomfortable for sure. Yeah. We'll talk on Sunday. Uh, we will have that episode out and then Frank Saravalli joining us on Tuesday. Busy week here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. So if you haven't listened already, go listen to our bonus conversation. And maybe you're listening to this on the week. I know some of you listen to this on a Monday, a Tuesday. If you haven't listened, we've got a bonus episode out and we've also got the draft coverage coming out on Sunday. So for Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Check out our new extra, by the way. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.